It is an honor and a privilege to be with all of you this morning. Um, let's just pray before we get started. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you, Father, for you are with us. And Lord, right now, I pray for you to prepare our hearts, Father. I declare that we have soft hearts right now to receive your word. And the word, Lord, that will be delivered today, Father, will be able to bear roots, Father, and bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, right now that you anoint our ears to be able to hear your word, Father, to be able to see what you want us to see, Father. I thank you for you are with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to start this morning on Exodus 33. Uh, but before we, we go into that, Pastor has been talking about a series the past couple of weeks, Ready, Set, and Go. Ready, Set, Go in our lives. And for Ready, Set, Go in our lives, that encompasses so many different areas in our family, in our career, in our finances, in our self, in our health, within our call to go out there and evangelize to the world, within our our extended families. It involves everything that we are for us to be able to go and there's so many different things we can continue talking about that. And today, I want to just be able to penetrate into the how are we going to go. Because the Bible is super clear in how we are to go in any area of our life. And that takes us to Exodus 33. We're going to start in verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is God telling Moses, right? And now verse 15 is Moses' response to that that God told him. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of the earth. And then this is God's response to Moses. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. The how we go is that we go with the presence of God. No matter what we are to do, no matter what opportunity is presented in front of us, we need to go with the presence of God because that is where we're going to find our victory. That is where we're going to find our best. We can do many things that are good and many things that seem fine, but to fulfill the potential, to fulfill the purpose, the call that God has upon our life, it requires for us to take a stance and say, God, I will not move if it's not because of your presence. And this is Moses is saying this. I mean, God already told him, I'm going to go with you. And he didn't just say, okay, no, he told God, no, no, but I need you. I will not move without that. He was determined and not because of fear. Not because he didn't know and he was scared what was going to happen, but because he knew what it looked like in his life to have the presence of God with him. When he was born, he wasn't supposed to live. Moses was born in a time when they had given the law, kill every male that is born. Not him. Moses was able to hear God. God spoke to him through a burning bush that did not consume. Moses is the one that saw those 10 plagues upon Egypt so their deliverance could come. And he also saw God's protection upon the people of God in the midst of all those plagues. 
Moses saw how the people were able to leave Egypt, but you know they didn't leave with their hands empty? They left with an abundance of provision, a plunder from the Egyptians. That's how they left because God was with them. Moses is the one that then came in front of the Red Sea. And that Red Sea, what happened to it? It parted. Not by Moses' strength, but by God. He had seen the miraculous. He had seen that in the middle of the desert, God provided water. God provided food. He had seen the mercy of God. He had seen how when the people rebelled and they started building images and worshiping and having a party for other gods, God still showed mercy. That's the God he had seen. And that's what brings them to the place of saying, I'm not going to move forward unless you are with me. Unless your presence is with me. And this morning, I know there are many of you in here that have seen the hand of God. You have seen the hand of God within that supernatural provision. Psalms 37 has this amazing verse. Psalms 37, 25. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God's supernatural provision. Many of you in here have seen miracles in your health that is through the hand of God. You've seen opportunities that only God could have given you that. You know you weren't the best qualified. You know that you weren't the one that was supposed to get it. But God did it. Because when God is with you, supernatural things takes place. And because of that, as we move forward, it is having that determination, God, I will not move without you with me because you with me is where I am going to fulfill what I need to do going with the presence of God means going filled with the Holy Spirit Jesus said I'm leaving but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is here today in operation. The Holy Spirit is the one that comforts us. The Holy Spirit is the one that fills us with boldness. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the word of God. It is through the Holy Spirit that we need to go. That is the presence of God. If we can please go to Acts 1 verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. This is Jesus talking. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week, pastor preached an amazing message about what these places represent. But I want to focus on those first couple of words today. Jesus said, you need to go with what? With the power and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the mandate to go, to go into all these places. That is our call to go. But we can't do it alone because guess what? I can't do it. You can't do it. But with the filling of the Holy Spirit, that's when we can fulfill and we can do what God wants us to do. As they waited there, it takes us to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were waiting for what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't go, so they did not go. They weren't going to move without the presence of God, which is our Holy Spirit. They weren't going to move. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To do the work of the Lord in every area of our life, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And how do you know you're filled? Well, the Bible declares it's by, it's by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if you are here this morning and you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about feeling the Holy Spirit. Because if all of you were here in worship today, we felt the presence of God. I'm not talking about feeling the presence of God. I'm talking about being filled with the presence of God. Because that's where you get your boldness. That's where you get the fire to be able to go and to move forward. It's with that feeling. And what does it take? It takes crying out to God. It takes saying, God, I'm not going to move unless I am filled by you and that filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's just not a one-time prayer. So those of you in here that have been filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, you don't just pray for that once. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, look at their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Have you ever been confronted with a situation you don't know what to say? You don't know how to say it. You're like 10 other people, you go do it because I'm not going to be able to do it. No, you're right. You can't do it. But at that moment is when you need to say, Lord, fill me. Because when you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it is not you speaking. It is not you remembering what are the right words that I'm putting together. It is the Spirit of God speaking through you. So we need to go with that determination of I will not move, I will not do, I will not go forward, no matter how good the opportunity may look, no matter how amazing it might sound, no matter how many people around me are encouraging me to do this, without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit with us, being able to move forward into that pastor made reference to this of we are living right now today in such a time that there is such need for God's divine intervention in so many different areas and number one in our health we need to constantly be crying out to God crying out to God to be with us in our health not only in the crises when we need that when we need that healing because God does heal the Bible says he heals all right and all is all he heals everything But we need to be praying and crying out to God to walk in divine healing. What does that mean? Divine healing. That you will walk healthy every day of your life. I don't just pray, Lord, when I feel that a cold is coming, when I feel that itchiness in the back of my throat, or when I feel this pain here. No, it's every day, God. I pray right now. I press in that I may walk in your divine healing. Because in our health, we need the presence of God in every area. If we go to Mark 10, Mark 10, 46, this recounts a healing miracle that for me, it just encourages me every single time I read this. 
Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Can you visualize it? Jesus coming. There's a great, I'm knowing his disciples are with him, but there's a great multitude coming, right? He hears. There's Jesus. This is the blind Bartimaeus is there begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We need to cry out to God. Ask for his mercy. Our God is moved by mercy and compassion and love. And this requires us opening our mouth and crying out to him in every area of our life. Then it continues in verse 48. Then they warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Others may not understand why you're crying out. You may not have an entourage of people just celebrating your cry for God, and that's okay. Because we need to come to the place that we understand that our miracle, our provision, our stability in life comes from God and nothing else. So it doesn't matter if the person to our right, to our left, the person we're living with in our house, if they are celebrating us or not, we cry out because we know that that is where our answer comes from. We may have even other Christians that they see us crying out for our health. Oh, are you in fear? What's wrong with you? Like God, like God is with you. Like why are you being so loud? Like why are you praying so long? No, we cry out because we know that that is where our victory is. We know that we need the presence of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives every single day, every single day to be able to be victorious. In verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. How exciting. Jesus heard him. He got Jesus' attention. Jesus is calling him, come, come. So what happens? 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Sorry, verse 51. Sorry. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Jesus asked him, what do you want? Would that not be an illness that you can see with your eyes? That's something you can visually probably perceive, right? If somebody comes in front of you, because Jesus called him. So he probably even had to be helped to come to Jesus because he's blind. But this tells me that our cry for God actually involves our mouth. <laughs> and yes, God knows our thoughts, absolutely. God knows our hearts, absolutely. God knows everything about us, but we need to open up our mouths and cry out to God. Open up our mouths and ask God. The word of God says, knock and the door shall be open. As far as I'm concerned, knock requires an action. Yes or no? I can't just say knock. That's not knocking. I have to physically knock. Ask. We have to open our mouths to the Lord and tell him and cry out to him because, again, he is our source. 52, then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He followed Jesus after receiving his miracle. To cry out is something that requires intensity. To cry out requires boldness. To cry out requires for you to be unashamed. Again, knowing that my solution, my source comes from God. And I will not move without him by my side. It's having that determination and knowing that that is where our victory comes. We need God, his presence, the Holy Spirit to be in the middle of our relationships, be in the middle of our marriages. Our marriages will not produce what God intended our marriage to produce if we do not include the Holy Spirit inside of our marriages. We need the Holy Spirit not only in crises, but when things are going well. I ask you, those of you that are married, when was the last time you spent time interceding in the spirit for your marriage? When was the last time that you cried out to God for your marriage? And again, in crises or out of crises, at all times we're called to do that. We need the power of God. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in the middle of our marriages because that's when our marriage will be healthy. That's when our marriage is going to produce life. Not when we do the best, when we read the best help self book or the, the book that's out there. I mean, that's great if you have the time to read that and there's some great books out there. But what's really going to make the change is calling out to the Holy Spirit because that's when the miracle takes place, when the Holy Spirit is with you and helping you in that. So calling out and having the Holy Spirit in the middle of our marriages is needed today, is needed right now. Having the Holy Spirit in the middle of our finances. Stability? Well, we don't know what the weather's going to be. Hold on, look at the island of Puerto Rico. They went from... Hurricane, hurricane, to earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. Look at what's happening in Australia. All these massive fires. Things are taking place now because stability comes from Christ, comes from God. That is what keeps us stable. Our finances, we need to have the faith to be able to say, Holy Spirit, you are in the middle of this. Every deal that I do, every opportunity, I will not take a step. If it's not with you, because you are the one that will provide, you are the one that will protect, you are the one that would lead me. And we need the Holy Spirit within our finances. And we can go to Philippians 4.19. Many of you may know this by heart. And my God shall supply all, all, all your needs according to his riches and glory. All your needs. In any area of your life, who's the source of that provision? It is called Christ Jesus in everything. And who has access to this? The children of God. That is the first step. The first step to fall into this is to be, the first step to be able to walk with the presence of God. The first step is that you need to recognize that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life, to die on that cross for our sin, for our unrighteousness. That is the first step. And the second step is for us to recognize that we need salvation. That good, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? You can be better than the person next to you. Maybe that makes you feel good. But to be righteous, to attain heaven is unattainable for us. We need Jesus Christ. 
And it's to open our mouth and say, Jesus, come live inside of me. I accept you as Lord and Savior. If you have done that, has anybody done that in this house? If any of you have done that, this verse applies to you, that your God shall supply all your needs. Cry out to God. Make your request known before God of what those needs are because your God is the provider. He has the perfect timetable. He has the perfect way. So for a child of God, we need to want, we need to need, we need to require walking with the presence before we move forward. But how do we stay in that presence? Well, if we go back to Exodus 33, and part of what Moses told God, I will not move without your presence. There's something super critical in there that he also said. So Exodus 33, 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. How do we stay in the presence of God? We need to stay being a separate people. We need to stay in holiness. That's like the, the church language for that. Stay holy. Holy means separated for God. Separate. Do the things the way that God wants it done. Why? He's God. I'm not. And I want to please my father. When King David found the Ark of the Covenant, and he said, I need the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God back in the temple. He went. He went with a group, and he brought it back the way that God had wanted. And that was the only way the presence was going to be moved. Others had tried different ways, and it didn't work. But when they went to move that Ark of the Covenant the way that God said, every couple of steps, worship, sacrifice, keep on going, stop, worship, sacrifice. When they had done that, they were able to bring back the presence of God. So we need to walk in a way that is different. God wants us. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to act different. We're supposed to think different. That is what it is to be a Christian. And if that hasn't been the case, then today is the day to say, God, I want to walk holy for you. Because again, we have a Savior that saved us. And God says, if you need forgiveness, what do you do? Call out to me. Ask me for forgiveness and I shall give it to you. I shall remove that, and it will be as far as the east is from the west. God will remember it no longer. But we need to walk separate, separated for him in 1 Peter 2.9. Because some of you may say, oh, that's Old Testament. No, look at what the New Testament says. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of God who are called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. We are called to be a holy nation, separate for God. I've been asked many times throughout my life, my walk with Christ, why don't you do that? I mean, you're married with your husband. It's okay for you to go to this place or go to that place or to know why? Because I know what 1 Peter 2.9 says, and what God requires is to be different for him, to be different for him, because what God can give me does not compare 
what I can do on my own strength. I can accomplish a lot. I can. Some of you in here have accomplished a lot. But to accomplish what you need to accomplish, it's only with the power of God and recognizing I need that presence wherever I go. And that presence requires me to be separate and holy. Abigail, if you can stand up a second. So most of you know, Abby, stand up. So Abby is the child that I pray for. Abby is the child that we wrestled for, that our faith was challenged for. And God gave us Abigail. Thank you, Mama. And there may be things that it's like, but why is it not happening to me? Why is it not taking place? I look to my right and to my left, and it's so easy for other people. Other people are able to accomplish that with no problems. Other people get uh, a cold. They go to the doctor, and two days later, they are fine dancing around. Why is it that for me it doesn't work? Why is it? I can't answer that. But what I do know is my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And all my needs mean all my needs. So today, what is it that you lack? And if you say nothing, then you're really not asking yourself the question. Because if we had everything, God probably would have called us already to heaven if we accomplished it all. There's still a lot to accomplish. This city needs us. This city needs you. This city needs you to arise and to be a living testimony of God's power, of God's goodness, of who God is. This city needs you. So let's cry out to God. Let's tell God today, I need to be filled. I need to be filled and overflowed. Today I need to be filled to be able to have the boldness to fulfill the call upon my life. Today I need to be filled. Today I make the decision to walk holy and separate for you, God. Because what? Is it a cost? You can say it's a cost. But it's nothing compared to what God did that sent Jesus to die upon that cross for me. The cost is nothing in comparison to what my God paid for me and for you so we can all just stand up this morning and we're going to have a few minutes that I challenge you where you are right there call out to God cry out and tell him I need you open your mouth you know what? It's not enough for my spouse to cry out to God and be in the presence. It's not enough for my child to be doing it. I need to do it. Salvation is personal. It's not a package deal. It's not one person in your family does it and everybody's good to go. It is personal because the calling is also personal. Are there anointings over families? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's generational blessings. Absolutely. But answering the call is personal. Answering the call requires each and every one of you right now to call out to God and say, God, I say yes. God, I will not move without you. God, I will press in. I will press in. Let's worship.